Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Pedagogy Matters podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to bring to the fore some key topics of conversation in relation to learning and teaching, to discuss, to break down aspects of practice and provide snippets, advice and guidance as to how to integrate these into our daily practice. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Alan McLean and we'll be exploring a topic of emotional pedagogy. So Alan, good morning, how are you? Good morning, I'm very well, thank you. Good. You know, it's nice to see. We just talked before about kind of the weather starting to turn, which is a nice change for the you know, heading towards the summer, which is great. And I guess that, that ties in nicely, I guess, with elements of of, of emotion. You know, and I've got a tangent already, but so yeah. So the topic of emotional pedagogy. You know, so people be thinking, wow, it's a term I've never heard before. So I guess, oh, you, what do we mean by this? Or kind of what can be meant by this term? Yeah, well, I, th- I think I think the term emotional pedagogy is. Be kicking around. It came into my mind when I was doing the recent webinar with, um, for the College Development Network because it was pretty obvious that um, when I was explaining my whole uh, emotion ring, as I call it, the model that helps us understand emotions, it was pretty. Uh, and that was we were looking at how we can support vulnerable uh, students. It was obvious to everyone there that that model applied to staff well-being, but also applied to this emotional pedagogy. And emotional pedagogy basically is just uh, emotionally attuned teaching that places feelings at the forefront of learning and uh, learning and teaching. It's kind of emotionally skilled teaching and it's it's been around forever basically and everyone knows about it. It's just we're just trying to make it a bit more explicit. I, I love some I love the quotes. I mean, you know, everyone knows the, the Maya Angelou quote. Um, People will forget what you said and what you did, but they never forget how how you made them feel. Uh, I mean, everyone knows that looking back in their own education, when you think of your favourite teacher, you can remember the teachers you remember are the teachers that made an, emo- an emotional impact on you, usually a positive one. There's another nice one I like, John Maxwell. People will hear your words, but they feel your attitudes. I think that's quite powerful. Really, yeah, you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, the impact that we as people in education can have on our, our students. You know, you're, you're absolutely fundamental, and that effectively comes back from relationships, and that emotion is at the heart. Yeah. Of. And I think it's interesting yeah. that we'll, we'll unpick us as we go through a conversation this morning, obviously, or maybe even kind of straight away. Obviously, the last 15 months has really flipped elements on its head in terms of education as we know it, in terms of face-to-face contact and face-to-face relationships has just flipped into a an online or a hybrid world you know yeah. so some colleagues I, I know i spoke to kind of struggled with that from a, a, a lecturer's or a teacher's perspective and i know students have as well no but i think would it be fair to say that the same principles apply whether you're teaching face-to-face or online around well it's important to kind of be in tune with your emotions with your students and, and so on and so forth what are your thoughts on that uh that's a challenging one it's uh <laughs> It's, it certainly is. Uh, I think it probably it's the exact same. It's the exact same. The the, um, the principles of effective pedagogy are the same, in no, no matter what the context. But it's probably paradoxically more important in a in a kind of digital relationship. But it's probably more difficult. And the immediate thing that comes to my mind is uh, nonverbal communication. I mean, non-verbal communication is absolutely crucial. Everyone knows that it's the predominant uh, vehicle, and but that's so difficult. That's why I think people are find find 
find the digital relationship a bit frustrating. I mean, the face is probably the, the most important tool that a lecturer's got. Uh, but how do you communicate uh, facial expressions uh, digitally? So you probably have to exaggerate them, which starts to not starts to when you worry about authenticity and so on. So uh, I can understand why lecturers uh, will struggle, and we also know why it's so draining because you're 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 having to kind of force your your emotional communication, and that's probably what's what what makes it so exhausting. And also trying to pick up. My, my biggest challenge, I think, would be to pick up because lecturers are intuitively tuned into students, but they're tuned into students' body language and faces and attitudes and so on. So to pick that up uh, digitally is quite a challenge. No, you're absolutely right. And, and you actually, uh, I did throw in a deep end straight away with that question. But those issues that you mentioned have been exactly the issues that lecturers have faced in terms of the, the, the nonverbal cues straight away, the, the triggers or even the the ad hoc relationships that I built when moving around the classroom and talking to students, and uh, that has been lost to a degree. So I guess yeah. let's go back to basics. So when we're talking around education, education approaches more broadly, I guess lecturers at the minds might be thinking, right, I think I do this, but I'm not sure. So from your perspective, Alan, when we're talking about emotional pedagogy, what are the principles or kind of how can it be done or what should be considered? Right. Can I just preface what I'm going to say by a few brief comments about oh, yeah. about emotions? Can I? I'll be brief. <laughs> uh, it's the technical side. Obviously, emotions are pretty central to our lives. They, they underpin our relationships, thinking, and learning. And there's no there's no better way to understand ourselves. And uh, but they are they are mysterious and and complex. But my premise is that we can actually master them more than we realise. And this is all about mastery, and ma mastery is basically, um, you know, I, I define emotional well-being as, as, as not so much uh, feeling good, but as being good at feeling. Uh, and it comes to this mastering emotions, and essentially mastering emotions comes down to making sense of the purpose of emotions. And the technical bit, just for a second, is what, I mean, what are emotions? We need to stop and think about that. And emotions are basically the cognitive interpretations of our, of our physical sensations. Sensations only become emotions uh, when we go through something called cognitive framing. We frame it through our, our words and, and our concepts, and that's when we interpret the cause and purpose and so on. And how well we read our sensations depend on our kind of emotional vocabulary. It's our skills in comparing emotions, basically. And give you a simple analogy. If you think if you're if you're an expert in birds or trees or cars or football teams, you can sort you can sort them between you can compare them and contrast them. You can sort them. So whenever you go a nature walk, you'll get much more out of it. And it's the exact same with um, with emotions. So my my big kind of premise is if if when lecturers become more attuned to emotions, they'll, they'll be able to kind of you know, understand what's going on better. The emotion ring, very, very briefly, it's a visual model. I'm a very visual person and I'm a kind of systematizer. I like structure. I like to organize things. And the emotion ring, uh, and it would be quite helpful if people are listening to this this um, podcast to have a, a copy of the emotion ring to hand. Um, basically, it's a, it's a comprehensive and kind of coherent kind of organizer as a template of all the main emotion concepts organized by their purpose. And that, that gives us a, a set of tools to help develop emotional vocabulary. Also helps us self-reflect 
helps us uh, reflect, helps them to support students through as a coaching tool and as among a group of students, we can maybe talk about that. But the, the most important thing from a pedagogy point of view is it gives us a structure to kind of reflect on how come that student's responding well? How come, what happened there? I blew it there, what happened there? What was wrong with him? Uh, what did I do? So it's that's a useful, uh, it's a useful structure to think about things. Um, I've forgotten about your, what's your first, what was your question? No, I, I, that's kind of a really good introduction, I guess, around emotions and its purpose within education. Because you're absolutely yeah. right with the examples towards the end. You know, teaching and learning is not black and white. I teach, you learn. You know, we're yeah. dealing with people, you know, both with our own emotions, the emotions of our colleagues, but also the emotions of our students. Now, I think you're right. I'm, I hope I'm summarising this correctly here. Yeah. That's, that greater awareness of emotions will only enhance our practice and kind yeah. of make us more aware. Now, we might not be able to change emotions, but it makes us more aware as lecturers and practitioners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, a central point for me is when, when I trace my work of the last 23, 24 years, it's, it's through behaviour management, through anti-bullying strategies, through self-motivation, through developing identity through the, the, the latest uh, work in emotion. It's all been, it's all, it's all been about self-awareness. I mean, every lecturer I've ever met in my career, I've met thousands of them, we all want to be as, as, as effective as we can be. I, I'm, I'm convinced uh, everyone's pretty self-motivated. They want to improve and everyone's, everyone's got that commonality, but we vary in our capacity for self-awareness or this, the, the, the kind of the partner of that is self-reflection, and that's the challenge. So all my work's been about kind of self-reflection, and and we'll, really I'm into giving people structures for self-reflection because self-reflection is really bloody hard because the language is really hard. We're we're very aware of of how other people impact on us, but we're not we're not so aware on how we impact on other people. That's the tricky bit because we've got lots of blind spots and self-delusions and self-deceptions and so on. I mean, I'll give you a simple, again, a quick, uh, I like to give people thought experiments or, or simple exercises, but a nice exercise for a, a lecturer to do is just to take a class list and um, flip through it very, very quickly and, and write an emotion right beside each student in terms of how, how they feel about that student. And in the end of it, have a quick, take away the students' names and then look at the emotions and then summarise them and then put them into a structure and then show it to a colleague. That would be a, a marvellous exercise just to put them in touch with. And you certainly, um, don't know from your experience, but I think students have emotional relationships with their classes. And uh, that's a really interesting thing to explore. But um, so. I mean, right, I think it, it's interesting yeah, because when you take time to pause and reflect, like you say, and you have a conversation with other colleagues, you broaden that perspective in relation to students and how they behave and how they act and, and, and how that works well for others. And I know, again, just thinking back to my own past experience of sometimes the most frustrating comment was, no, no, that learner works well for me. They're absolutely fine for me. Well, actually, that doesn't help. Let's get on and pick that and let's pair it back. And when you talk then about behaviour management, again from the experience that i have had a key part of where behavior management is effective is where there's an effective relationship now that's not as easy 
uh, in practice because there are a wide variety of reasons why student behaviors are poor. However, yeah. that, I think what you're saying is the enhanced awareness of the emotions of the individuals in the situation will help yeah. the practitioner consider your approaches and how you manage and how you interact with that student. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and yeah. I know yeah, you, you've done a lot of work in this space and, and uh, yeah, and it's, it's kind of really quite interesting. And going back to kind of the, the question I asked initially is, so you kind of given two ideas so far is, is how do lecturers start with this? So you've mentioned the emotions ring. You've mentioned kind of having a look at learners and spend a bit of time and thinking, actually, what, what emotion would I allocate to that learner? Yeah. How else would lecturers build this into practice, you know, of their own practice or their practice yeah. students? Because it, it, it's, it's a complex situation. Yeah. So how, how would they go about that, Alan? Everyone knows that there's no such thing as an unmitigated good. You know, everyone knows it's the Aristotle concept of the golden mean, uh, everything in moderation. What that means is one good quality has to be balanced by another good quality uh, and support has to be balanced with uh, challenge. If we have too much support and not enough challenge, uh, that becomes kind of problematic. And I, 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 th I think of the and again, again, if we get, give give people a, a nice simple thought experiment. Think about your your typical practice. If you were to spend twenty share twenty points between support and challenge, uh, what would you what would you give support? And what would you give challenge? For example, you might give support twelve, and you might so that means you give challenge eight. Your sum has always got to add up to twenty. Now that's quite interesting. Once since as soon as some I ask somebody that, I know a lot about them. But I don't want you to add that up. I want you to multiply these two figures. Okay. So, for example, if you if you said 12 and 8 for support, that gives you a score of 96, which is pretty good. You could have been bang on. You could have said, oh, I'm a 10 by 10. <laughs> and that gives you a score of 100. So that's your, I call that your pretentiously, I call that your beneficence, okay. which is basically your positive impact. Now, you might be a a PE teacher or a, or a lecturer in, in the, you know, electronics and you're, you're kind of macho, I'm, 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 I'm stereotyping here, <laughs> but you might be a kind of macho, I don't, I don't go into all this touchy-feely rubbish, I'll, let, I'll leave support to other people. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm 18 for challenge and that leaves two for support. Well, the bad news for you is your beneficence is 36. And the interesting thing is you can't, you can't, um, you might be brilliant at challenge, you might be charismatic, uh, but you can't make up for your lack of support through your excellence and your challenge. Yeah. You need both. <laughs> so I, I've, I've given nice simple terms. I like to talk about um, you're either a, either a squeezer or a hugger. <laughs> and ideally you're a squugger, you're a squeezer. <laughs> A squeezer is a lecturer who's very high profile, charismatic, demanding, challenging, dynamic, pushy, um, probably very popular, uh, sense of urgency, high demand and so on. That's fantastic. But if that person's not sensitive to people's vulnerabilities, then they slip into becoming a bruiser. So the squeezer can become a bruiser. And uh, the, the students are going to fear you. They might respect you, but they fear you, and they're probably going to hate you. Yeah. 
And that's devastating from a, a, an emotional pedagogy point of view. Equally, the very nice warm invitational approach where people are very empathic and sensitive and uh, you're very caring and so on, that's fantastic and people will love you and uh, you'll have fantastic relationships. But if you slip into being over helpful or, or, or over caring, you slip into being a bit overprotective, smothering, you actually even start to intrude. And students, I don't want to tell you about my background, get lost. Uh, and the challenge is to try and get, the challenge is to reflect on yourself. And students can, uh, staff can reflect on this very neatly. If they go onto our website, there's a profile, a self-reflection profile called the Inspiring Profile. And that allows lecturers to take 20 minutes to stop and think. They, they evaluate themselves on, on the ring, on the dynamics of these teaching styles, as I call it. And that gives them a gives them a, a, a gives them a benchmark to think about and, and to, to share with other colleagues. And if they're really if they're courageous uh, and they're really into partnership, they can actually get their students to complete profiles about them. And we can actually help colleges to kind of collate all these profiles together in a neat little package that gives uh, instant feedback. And then that, what, what the lecturer then does is be grateful. Uh, it's a fantastic way to build partnership and mutuality. And, and, and let the, sorry, and the students, the, 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 to finish off, the, the lecturer just has a discussion about it and has a good, has a good chat about what they learn from it. No, I think that's a really point. I was just going to jump back to, you know, you gave a couple of different examples of lecturers who may have different approaches as in, yeah, emotions aren't from me. You're going to come in here. These are the rules of the classroom. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about everybody um, really changing or kind of reopening their approach with students and, and kind of making emotions front and centre. But I think what we're trying to say is it, it's really important to have that awareness. You know, everyone's yeah. got their own style as a lecturer, as a person, as an individual, but it, it's a really important um, different approach to have within your, your your teaching style to have an awareness. I think there's a key yeah. bit. And yeah. I know a, a phrase that I've always used in the past is kind of know your learners. And that's exactly this in terms of you don't want to know everything about them. But you need to be aware of anything that's impact on their their ability to learn, of which emotions are a fundamental element of that. And that comes through time, that comes through rapport, that comes through trust building. And so it's about it's not a quick fix. I think it's pretty fair to say in terms of actually yeah. do one thing and this is fixed. But it's about embedding some of these practices within your approach as a lecturer, increasing your awareness of emotions, the impact of emotions that, of your emotions on your learners but also of your learners on each other and of your learners on their circumstance. So I think yeah. to really simplify this, it's just raising the awareness of emotions and its impact on learning. But ourselves as lecturers or managers, we play an absolutely key role within this. Absolutely. And you just reminded me of a, a great quote I got from a, a nine-year-old boy a few months ago, Jamie. He said, the best teachers know you from the inside. And that's 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 just that's classic. Uh, no, and so know your students. So yeah, again, we're 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 trying to get lecturers to introduce something else. You know, people are fed up more and more initiatives. All I'm suggesting, and I, I'm care, I need to be careful. I always introduce this as being a man. I've I've genuinely come 
come to the emotion late, late in life, I have, and I've genuinely bluffed my way through a, a, a career in educational psychology, not really understanding emotions. But once I've once, once this structure helped me, um, I find I find it really really useful. So I'm just really saying to people. Try and introduce this and use the ring as a structure. Shove it up in your wall and reflect on it now and again, and just start to start start to move yourself. Uh, you know, can I be emotionally skilled? Yeah. And what, what would my class be like if I was I was more emotionally skilled? A, a, a really good way to think about this, and again, it's quite intuitive, and everyone will understand it, is the notion of uh, priming priming emotions, priming positive emotions, PPE, and. A good place to start on that is sport. I mean, what is priming? Well, I play golf, and uh, every golfer will know speech play. And what speech play does is it puts it primes people. So if you're standing, standing up there, and you say, "You better watch that bunker on your left," and your partner says, "What bunker? I didn't even notice that." <laughs> so it's not the sort of thing I would do. But what it does is it primes it, it primes anxiety in your opponent. It puts an idea into your mind. It's the same with uh, Kevin Keegan, uh, the famous Kevin Keegan uh, mind games, where it was Alec Ferguson. The, Ferguson the, mind games, yeah. Ferguson, yeah. Ferguson's typical Glaswegian, yeah. smart, smart as attack. He knew all about effective pedagogy. Uh, he was an intuitive uh, genius, and uh, he, he just wound them up, and he just put doubts into his mind. That's what priming is. No, I, I think that's, I guess, other terms I've heard, and obviously the sports psychology world, I'm, I'm trying to make this too sporty, but it's obviously self-talk, which is exactly the same as that in terms of you give yourself positive cues, but also imagery, you know, so in a, in a really simple sporting world, you know, you've got your, your goal kicker and rugby, they visualise where the ball is going to go and where they go. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to priming, it's what you're seeing here, then it's kind of lecturers or people working with young people, we we promote the positive behaviours, is that what you're saying, in, in terms yeah. of priming those positive behaviours with our students and, and raising awareness, but also raising awareness of how it could be done, or kind of how it not should be done, but, but what, what to feel, how to feel, is that what you mean? Yeah, well, you've just, you've just given me a lovely link to the next point. You, you mentioned the word should. There's, there's, there's an interesting word, should. What should you be doing? What should you be doing? What should you be doing? Immediately, that's, that's a drag, isn't it? It triggers defensive emotions, resentment, huffiness. Try could instead. What could you be doing? That, uh, that introduces possibility, hope. So there's a lovely example of priming. Are you a should lecturer or a could lecturer? Uh, and that's, and that's, that's what... That's what this is all about. So, you know, advertising, we're, we're getting primed all the time to make purchases. So we just need to stop and let, let's, let's, let's us be in the driving seat. I'll give you another nice example, lovely, simple example. The order in which we make requests is really, really important. And I'll, I'll talk about the, the famous, the two monks and, and uh, talking to the abbot. And the first monk says to the abbot, is it OK if I smoke while I pray? And the abbot gives him a clip right in the ear. And then the second monk who's smarter comes back, comes up and says, is it okay if I pray while I smoke? And the abbot says, oh yes, my son, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so both requests have been the exact same. The only difference is the sequence. And what's happening is the first part of the order, the first part of the request primes the emotional response. So for example, instead of, um, 
uh, instead of saying, I want you, instead of saying, when I explain these instructions, I want you to listen. You, you really should could be saying, well, I want you to listen uh, when I'm explaining these complicated instructions. So that's a nice simple one, and it primes it primes people to look out. Again, a simple set of, we're priming, uh, we're, we're using cues all the time. For example, I'll be looking out for, are you going to really find, you're going to find this really interesting, or this is going to be cracking, or you're going to love this, you know, and people do that all the time. That's what you're, you're, you're very successful lecturers are doing all the time. Yeah, I think that's interesting, especially because often issues may arise, you know, from challenging behaviour. And it, it, I think what we're trying to say here is that absolutely we challenge that behaviour, we, we have our expectations, our rules, our guidelines in the classroom. But in this context, is actually think about how you deliver that message in terms of behaviour. You know, so yeah. instead of saying, um, will you be quiet and sit down? Okay, please sit down and be quiet. No, it, it's yeah. in terms of the order of instruction that you would like. I think yeah. that's the example. But it's that type of thing as opposed to, yeah, remove the, the negative or the threatening side yeah. to, 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 towards the end of the statement. Yeah, your example's interesting as well. The word please is interesting. You know, people are being polite, please. Please sit down. I mean, that that's, without being too cynical, that, that's, that's too soft. <laughs> yes, pleading. You don't, you know, don't bother with please. Just say, um, I want you to do this. Thanks very much. Yeah. That's much more assertive. But it's also very polite. Um, so. No, interesting. Uh, conscious of time, I know we'll talk about this all day, but obviously yeah. Yeah. we'll keep getting some folks on some key bits. We've touched upon emotional coaching a little bit. Can I just before you go on to coaching, can I just, we're talking about priming, but it's also useful to use the emotions to, priming is all about going going forward, looking for looking ahead, but all, emotions are all, also good to take stock and look back. And I'll give you a nice, a simple example would be, I don't think uh, lectures, I don't think we use enough in college, you know, the power of emotions as a kind of evaluation tool for the, for the students themselves. Because students intuitively know through their emotions how they feel about the project they just handed in. So, I mean, that's too late. So before you, so you should be, you could be encouraged students to say, right, last thing you do with your project, before you hand it in, an hour before you hand it in or whatever, how do you feel about that? Talk to somebody and how do you feel about it? And, and then explore your feelings and then, so, can that give you some insight into how good it is? And can you then make some changes? Because the emotions are going to help you evaluate. So the whole concept of emotions as, as evaluation tools are, are really, really useful. And I don't I mean, I don't know anyone who's uh, been doing that. It'd be great to get some practice on that and get some share some practice on that. That'll be interesting. But I think just to touch upon that and a bit you said earlier on around something else for lecturers that do absolutely not this is just a mindset shift in terms of, of how yeah. we learn it you know so yeah i've dealt with some yeah, some lectures with different views in the past in my, my, my former world as in yeah it's something else for me to do but actually, yeah. no, it's just part of your practice and in terms of what we said earlier on in terms of modeling behaviors and model expectations and modeling emotions and all those elements yeah. that is part of good practice you know and as you said just about a minute or two ago a lot of lecturers are doing this but it's about they're either doing it sometimes explicitly and realizing, or they're just doing it without realizing. Yeah. I like to think, well, my practice actually, as you said, took you 24 years to to, to realize this. I'm the yeah. same. It's probably the same for a lot of other lecturers in terms of 
you are shaped by your life experiences. Yeah. You know, and kind of when you're younger and you're in the role, you're quite naive, but you don't know you're naive. Whereas, <laughs> whereas the, the more time you spend in education or in a role or in life or life experience or whatever, your, your perspective broadens. So no, I would totally agree with that. And that, that's a, a useful point for, for listeners to consider is just to yeah, probably use that emotions kind of ring to reflect and sit back and think, actually, no, oh, great, I do do this, fantastic. Or yeah. how yeah. could I raise the profile of this more with my students? Or how would this enhance my learning experience? Whether that be that assessments example you just gave or when challenging behavior or whatever. Not really interesting. Yeah. So emotional coaching. So we touched upon this before as a as a useful strategy, I think. It's, it's probably fair to say. So I guess what we saw is kind of what is meant by this. How would people go about doing this? Or is that not the right tack to take? No, no, no. I think emotional coaching is again, it can be can be anything you want it to be, but it's basically. I like I like the concept of coaching. I, I, there's a lot of vulnerable people around. There's a lot of people that can go through difficult times and. I'm a great believer in therapy without therapists. I'm a great believer in you know taking taking full advantage of the phenomenal uh, sensitivity and empathy of so many staff in colleges. I mean, I've met thousands of college lecturers, and I've always been impressed by their empathy and their commitment to students. It's kind of incredible. And so I, I see so many. I see so many therapists. Basically, they might not, and you don't need to be trained. You know, you just need to be. A very caring sort of empathic sort of person that's that's interested in people and if you give them the structure so if you give people a, a bit of training on on the emotion ring and uh, and we can use that to kind of have groups of you know, individual sessions uh, or groups with uh, you know small groups of, of students just meeting regularly talking about what's happening in their lives how that you know this just talking about their stories people need to understand and develop their identity through stories and sharing stories and about what's been happening to them and how they're feeling. So we can use the, the we can use the ring and quite formally and quite informally. The, the, the kind of the Rolls Royce approach is to is to invite students to use the what's called the reflector, which is a self-profiling tool. It's freely available on our website. It takes about 20 minutes. Students enjoy it. Um, they get a nice fancy chart, but then they have to sit down and, and ideally talk to somebody about it, explain it to them, and it cuts to the chase as to as to what's happening. More informally, you can take from the from the coaching tools we've got on our website. We've, we've got a well-being ring, and that's a quite a nice simple simple thing. We just ask students to kind of look at the eight dimensions and plot where you are on these rings. You just put a pot a spot. And then you say to them, right, change that dot into an arrow to tell us what direction you're going in. So you've got eight arrows basically on these eight dimensions. And you ask the students, what do you think this is all about? And, uh, so it cuts to the chase and, and um, saves a lot of time, but and, and it lets, lets students kind of reflect on, on what's happening to them. The most important thing is, uh, I love Parker Palmer. He's an American educationist philosopher. And he summed it up, he says, the human soul doesn't want to be advised, solved or fixed. It just wants to be witnessed. Well, I think that's the really nice thing. So people don't want, they don't want to come to, they, they want to come to their mentor or their, their coach. They don't want, they, they don't, they're realistic. They don't want to come to be fixed. They just want to come to be um, witnessed. A crucial thing, a, a crucial point, you know, the most basic principle for me, which is so important, is about, um, is just giving, 
uh, it's just giving the you know time and space for yeah. students to explain how they feel in their own words without being fixed, without being judged, without being criticised. And once we, we understand and attune into their own words, we can then maybe help them yeah. with our fancy words. You know, all the lectures you've, you've had, what's your favourite one? And I'll, and I'll say, so what's that about? What, so what, what about them? The first thing is they said, because they've got a sense of humour. And the second thing they'll say is, because they get me. Yeah. So what does that mean, they get me? It means they understand me and it means they've tuned into me kind of non-judgmentally and they've asked me, they've asked me questions and they've asked me really quick questions. You know, it's even busy lecturers, I really, I would really encourage them to stop for a few seconds and every now and again try and find out about students. What's the, what, what are they into? What's their big thing? What makes them tick? Because once you've got that in your mind, you can have a conversation with them and that's, they've got me, you know, I've got them. How do you get students? You get, you get them, so. It's an interesting point. I mean, obviously my, my background is a, is a sports lecturer PE teacher and often, you know, the perception is, you kind of alluded to before, they're the fun teacher, they're, people, they're people's favourite, sorry, students' favourite teachers typically at times because yeah. of the fun or whatever. And I saw a tweet the other day on Twitter around actually, our PE teachers not don't is not that they have a good relationship with students because actually they care about students that ask about their, their weekends and, and how they've gone on a sport and they've got that hook you know so it's not about it's a difficult world being a lecturer because there's professional boundaries left right and yeah. center you know and, and absolutely rightly so but as you've just said there it's really important to know your students and to build that relationship with students and whether that's how was your weekend you know yeah. it's, not, it's not Brian but it's we're dealing with people here we're dealing with emotion and we're, we're taking students on a journey for themselves and kind of with us over a period of time. And it's important for us to know them and, and kind of what's working, what's not working without prying in any way, shape or form. But yeah. that relationship to understand, to really yeah, <laughs> develop yeah. and support that learning relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to just throw in questions and people, people like questions. I mean, again, slightly off tangent, but a great question I've found with, with students is, you know, catch them off guard a bit, give them a post-it. Uh, what percentage of your ability are you using in this class right now? Yeah. That gives you a real, a really good starter conversation. So it's 75%. So, so how come? So how, how come it's 75%? So that's pretty good. What about the, what about the other 25%? You know, that gets you, it gets you, you're just trying to get inside their head and, and students like that as long as it's, uh, it's not intrusive and the boundaries are crucial, obviously. So, but the, the emotion, the, the crucial thing about uh, emotional coaching is regular uh, contact uh, with people that you, you know, build up trust and all the rest of it. And you're talking to them regularly. And I think that's a phenomenal uh, model. And there's so many people in college that would be so good at that, uh, given, given the structure. Uh, and I'm, I'd, I'd push the emotion ring as a useful structure. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And I think now more than ever is a really important time to be discussing about elements like this and the reason i say that is the last what we have now 15 months has been very much a transitional time for students and lecturers and managers obviously over the next three months depending on how restrictions go you know come over september time there might be that greater return to college and yeah. opportunities to to work with students who have not set foot on a campus for 15 months you know yeah. and, and again it's quite prevalent in in the media and the narrative and the media is around you know mental health and rightly so and it's it's 
it's quite simply got a greater awareness and a lot more people are talking around you know mental health and some importance and obviously emotional yeah. mental element of that and i guess my view on the world you know for, for college for lecturers is there's never enough time for anything that we want to do but we yeah. need time for the things that are important and yeah so changing our practices our ways of working and if this is something then that will enhance their practice enhance their student experience fantastic do it it should be part of our practice yeah yeah can i just mention the compendium of emotions to finish off you just mentioned we make things that are important and, and that's what emotions are all about they tell us what's important they tell us what matters to us that's why emotions are so central uh, and everyone's conscious of mental health and so on i mean i like to see mental health just as emotional well-being we've got so many terms for these things resilience resilience is just well-being when it's challenged it's all the same thing so i think emotional well-being being good at feelings quite a nice a nice way to think about it and uh, when i was when i was writing uh, knowing and growing the book uh, my last book uh, the most interesting chapter that came out of it was 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 about the ring of emotions, and because it helped me, as I say, organise emotions. It helped me sort emotions. It helped me compare them and and uh, and and basically tell the difference between them. Because that's why emotions get incredibly complicated, and the most challenging emotions get complicated, not because there's, they're bad or anything wrong with them. It's just they they, they get tangled up together and. Uh, it's trying to untangle them. That's that, that's the challenge. Once we untangle them, it's our perceptions of the of, of the difficult emotions that get us into bother. Um, for example, you when we're we don't we're not aware we're envious, and when we're, when we're envious, we think they're always against us. We, we get a bit paranoid. We think people are deliberately trying to wind us up and be 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 you know be be, be, be bad to us. Or when we're lonely. We don't get in touch with people because we're worried. We think we're going they're going to reject us. It's the perceptions. So I'm really interested in just giving people tools to to think through the emotions. So the compendium of emotions is basically an, an it's an illustrated guide. It's a resource for for schools and colleges. It, it details 40 major emotions, but also 48 linked emotions, and it explores their their purpose and uh, their causes and so on. It's like a part dictionary, part thesaurus, part. Uh, reflection tool encyclopedia it's just a complete primer and it's got a set of um, reflection questions and uh, it's got lots of nice quotes and the, the kind of just in a few words give a lot of kind of insight and um, and it's just a matter it's just a, this, a set of resources to help help people explore the purpose of the emotions and it's got it's got nice ways to to help uh, to help us soar with the uplifting emotions and it's got ways to address challenging emotions. Uh, and an example I use a lot is because I've always been plugged myself, plagued by self-doubt. If you've got self-doubt about giving a talk, don't focus on your self-doubt. And so how do you get self-confidence? You don't get self-confidence about being conscious of yourself. You just zoom in on your enthusiasm, your passion for the topic. That takes care of it. And then you just, you just battle through the presentation with your enthusiasm. And that takes care of your confidence. No, I think that's really interesting. It's been a really quite fascinating conversation. And I think in two sides. One is this shouldn't be such a big deal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It shouldn't be anything radical or anything different. But yeah. like I said, colleagues that I, I've worked with in the past, I worked with in the past, for some, this would be 
I want to say quite radical in terms of talking about it. They probably do it naturally, but it's just an awareness raising type approach. Whereas for some aspects of talking on emotions or building that space with students is quite foreign. I think that's just my personal experience. So I think it's yeah. it's a really useful topic for, for people to be aware of, to consider, to reflect on. Use some resources from your website and obviously within the link to the podcast, we'll put a link to that website there as well. Yeah. Have a look at some of the things that we're talking about here. But I think that's the most important bit is, and kind of my lasting thing, as we've kind of talked already, is build time. You know, make this important as part of your your daily practice with your students. That doesn't mean talk about this every day with your students in a, in a forced way, but build this into your approach as a practitioner. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so any kind of key lasting thought to finish off with? Then emotion, build it in. Build it into your rituals. That's a very nice emotional term. Rituals. Everyone can do rituals. And we can create our own rituals by making it a ritual, which is a nice way to end. Fantastic. Well, Alan, thank you very much. It's been a really, really interesting conversation. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you.